Welcome to the Hypnotilly Podcast on the Harlan College Sports Podcast Network. It is your friendly neighborhood podcaster, Andrew Zimmel, coming to you once again for another week of all things TCU. Going to recap week one. What do we learn from that? What do we take into week two? All of that and more. But first, got to remind you, subscribe, rate, review the podcast wherever you get the Hypnotoad podcast, whether that be on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever. Just subscribe, rate, review. We'll take all your reviews, all your stars, all of it, and uh, we'll give you back great content. That's what we do over here. So let's talk about it. A 45-42 loss to the Colorado Buffalo and to head coach Deion Sanders. I really hope nothing blew up in your face this Labor Day weekend like this prediction blew up in my face. I looked at it and I said to myself, I think TCU could go, what did I say, 5-0 and to start the season. Got to go 1-0 and before you can go 5-0, and a lesson uh, in that. TCU was a 20.5-point favorite, and within the first 10 minutes, I could have told you, they're not covering that spread. This was one of those games that if you've been a Horned Frog fan, if you've been around the Big 12 long enough, you've seen this game play out in 100 different fonts. Whether it be Texas, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, Baylor, TCU, Iowa State. We see this happen every single week. It was a good old shootout in the Big 12. It was reminiscent of uh, about, what, five, ten years ago when the conference was known for not playing defense. That is what it looked like in this game. I said 3-3-5, more like 9-1-1. Someone called the authorities because Colorado is going all over the TCU defense. And what is a frustrating thing for me, at least, is that the defense normally especially at the college level, is picks up the slack where the offense lacks in the first couple weeks. Normally, the defense is the or the uh, group is the group that has their stuff together quicker. They're the group that nine times out of ten, normally your defense is going to come around a little bit faster, the concepts and everything else like that, before the offense. And that was not the case. The 3-3-5 did not work against Colorado because Shadir Sanders threw for over 500 yards, the most ever for a Power 5 first game in the Power 5. That's essentially the deal. And he has propelled himself into the conversation for the Heisman, and that's not even mentioning the best player on the field, which I thought at some points could have been Chandler Morris. I thought at other points it could have been Imani Bailey. Uh, It was Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter played almost 120 snaps on Saturday, and he looked like the best player on either side of the ball, which leads us to this, right? These are the things that we're going to do. We're going to talk about lessons that we learned from week one because you're going to learn more from week one against a Colorado team that is a dark horse after a week one win against TCU to maybe win the Pac-12. In the last year that the Pac-12 is in existence, this could be a Colorado team that would shock you if Caleb Williams has trouble throwing the ball against this Colorado defense. Chandler Morris is not the best quarterback in the country. Chandler Morris might not even be the best quarterback in the Big 12. He might not be a top three quarterback in the Big 12, depending on who you ask. He threw two red zone interceptions. That's not an accident. That's Colorado's defense being good. Chandler Morris is a good quarterback. They made him look like a peasant. They made him look like a normal guy. They made him look like you and me out there playing football. That's how good this Colorado defense was. 
Would it shock you if they beat up on a USC team or a Utah team and Colorado at the end of the season is being talked about as a team that could potentially win the Pac-12? Now, they got a tough game next week against Nebraska, sure. Nebraska, they're coming back with a lot of energy after losing the way they did to Minnesota. So maybe they bring their A game to Boulder. Yeah, that could happen. Would it shock you, though, if Colorado was one of the last teams standing in the back Pac-12? Wouldn't surprise me. And that's where I'm going with this, is that it reminds me a couple years ago, and I said this yesterday uh, during the FSU-LSU game. A few years ago, I was in Austin when Joe Burrow and the Tigers came to DKR and beat up on the Longhorns. And the conversation afterwards in Longhorn and the Austin media, the Longhorn media, was how well Joe Burrow played and how he outplayed Sam Ellinger, a preseason Heisman contender, right? In their minds, at least. Preseason Heisman contender. And Joe Burrow, this transfer who didn't get any playing time at Ohio State, who had a so-so season his first year at LSU, absolutely balled out against the Texas defense. And I said, maybe we are discrediting LSU. Maybe we're discrediting Florida State last night in their win against LSU. Maybe we're discrediting Colorado. Maybe Colorado is that legit team. And that's the first thing I think that we need to learn is that the def- the 3-3-5 defense looked really bad against a quarterback like Shadir Sanders who was able to pick it apart, who had excellent, excellent control of the ball, no interceptions, four touchdown passes, over 500 yards, and with a guy like Travis Hunter, who in 2022 was the best high school prospect, and I got a lot of flack because I, you know, I'm in a bunch of group chats and everything, and I was talking to people. I said, "There's no way any of you knew he was going to be this good." And of course, they all telling me, "Well, I watched his high school film, high school film, Jackson State film. None of that mattered to me until I saw it against a team like TCU. And now that I've seen it, they're going to be a problem. They're going to be real good pairing for the next year." Not only this year, next year. I, I could see these guys playing another season in Colorado being a team to contend with next year in the Big 12. So what do we learn about the defense? you got to learn how to tackle. That's the other thing. The 3-3-5 works when you're playing a team like Michigan and you're able to get J.J. McCarthy to throw the ball away. I think Josh Newton still is the best corner in the Big 12. I still think he has a chance to win the Jim Thorpe Award. But he got mossed a couple times. He got mossed by Travis Hunter. He's not getting mossed by a Jimmy. He's getting mossed by a pro, right? This is this is a dude who's a, a legit Sunday wide receiver in a, in a season or two. This is a guy who's going to really, I think, do a lot at the next level, let alone at this level against uh, this competition. So that's the first thing we learned. The second thing that we learned, Imani Bailey is going to be the running back going forward. And I think that when we look at what Nickel State brings to the table, they were 3-8 and eight last year. I think Bailey's going to be the running back who has the biggest game next week in the Big 12. Not because he's playing FS, or not, uh, not because he's playing an FCS opponent, although that helps. I think he's going to get the most touches. Because Trey Sanders, 15 carries, 46 yards, 3 TDs. He was the red zone back. I think that that's kind of how Kendall Bryles is going to use this running back up duo where you're going to have, okay, you know, in between the 30s, we're going to use Bailey because he's a little bit more shifty. I think he looked pretty good out of the backfield as well on a couple of uh, uh, screen passes and stuff. I I think that there's a chance here 
that Bailey is used as a between the 30s running back and Sanders is used 30 to end zone type running back. That that's the other thing that we learned. Bailey 14 carries, 164 yards, had a big run in the second half. It was a feel out game. And you don't want your first game to be against a team like Colorado where all eyes are on you and you don't show up the way the TCU did not show up. But the other thing is they left 17 points on the board. Two red zone interceptions. Granted, one of them was an insane pick by Travis Hunter. That's one of the best interceptions we're going to see all season. He's the only corner in uh, the game, I think, Newton included, that could make that type of grab. Uh, it, picking it off on the the near sideline. Chandler Morris, I, like I said, any other corner in the game that that's probably a touchdown. Travis Hunter jumps the route, and then they miss an extra. Or they miss a field goal, so TC loses by three, and they lose lose seventeen points on the board. You can't win games like that. And that's the last thing I want to say. What do we learn about Chandler Morris? Well, for everybody who said that Max Duggan was a more athletic quarterback, that he was a guy who could be a little bit more shifty, could run the ball a little bit more than Morris. I think what you're playing into is that Morris got hurt last year against Colorado. Therefore, he should not run out of the pocket. Therefore, he should not be a mobile quarterback. We were going to make him one-dimensional. We're going to make him a pocket passer. But there's a couple times in that game where he shifted around the pocket. There's a couple times in that game where he used his legs, had a nice touchdown run. I look at Morris this way. I think that Chandler Morris has a chance to do a lot of special things this year for the TCU team. I think he has a chance this season to be one of the better quarterbacks. I know I mentioned earlier that I think in a lot of people's minds he's not a top three quarterback in the conference. I would put him in that conversation. He's top five at least, right? He had a good game. 279 yards, two TDs, two interceptions in the red zone. That's unexcusable. You can't win games like that. Kendall Bryles knows that. Sonny Dykes knows that. They're not going to have that happen two weeks in a row. And I still stand by my take that Nickel State this week, which we'll get into here in a moment, Nickel State this week, Houston next week, SMU, WVU, Iowa State. Houston almost lost to UTSA. Now, UTSA is a good team. Jeff Trailer's is a great coach. They've got a good quarterback in Frank Harris. But let's be real here. You should not be winning a game by three points against UTSA. And that's not even to mention Baylor losing to Texas State, where you know my alma mater, I love Texas State. Baylor should not have lost to Texas State. For the team, the, the talent they have on the field, it's unexcusable. So I still think the TCU goes four and one to begin the year. I think this is a good punch in the mouth. Sonny Dykes came out and was talking about how uh, the players walked off the field early. He said that we didn't instill in the players that no matter win, lose, or draw, no matter what, we, we should stand and sing the alma mater with our fans and stuff. And I get that. I understand the play. I understand both sides of it. I understand alma mater, alums who are not happy with that. I understand players who aren't exactly thrilled about losing the way that they lost on Saturday. I get both sides. Um, that all being said, I still think that this is a team that could win a lot of games in the Big 12. I think this is a team that at the end of the year – could be taught. This is a non-conference loss too. That's the other thing. That's the other thing that we need to remember is that this loss to Colorado. If this is 2024, we're talking about well, TCU is pretty much done. Now they do not have any control over their destiny. They need to have Colorado lose. They need to have other things break their way. 
to have a chance to play at the end of the season for a conference title. It's a non-conference loss. This TCU team could still be playing for a conference championship come December. And that's doable. Uh, other things, no deep threat for TCU. That was the other thing that I, I took a lot of uh, a lot of notice of. That with Richardson, John Paul Richardson, I thought that he would be bring a little bit more um, deep threat potential for TCU. They weren't able to connect on really any deep passes. Uh, Jared Wiley, the senior tight end, he is on a lot of uh, preseason award lists. He looked good. He looked solid in the uh, passing game. And I think his pro stock is on the on the uptick as well. So I'm kind of happy with both those. Um, so look, things we learn. Got to learn how to tackle. Chandler Morris is legit. The running back room is Bailey and then everybody else. I think Trey Sanders is going to be a big back at the uh, end zone. And we don't have a deep threat yet. That still hasn't been decided. We're still trying to open up the Kendall Bryles playbook. And there was a lot of talk on Twitter, too. A lot of talk on Twitter afterwards about Kendall Bryles. And I, I've made my opinions known on this podcast plenty of times. We, we, we've talked about it before on this, uh, on this program that I am not a fan of Kendall Bryles. But I was willing to put all that aside for the law. Like, to, to but I see what he did this year. To give him the, not the benefit of the doubt, but to separate the actions of the person off the field and what he brings in between the white stripes. I don't love it, but I'm, re- I'm resigned to it, right? That's kind of what you have to do here. He did a good job. <laughs> Kendall Browns, was a, it was a solid offensive game call. To put up as many points as TCU did, Kendall Browns didn't throw two red zone interceptions. He didn't miss a field goal. His, his offense was going to put up 50 points. So, I, for the people who are complaining about Kendall Bryles just really surprised me. And then lastly, I saw uh, Newton being grabbed by Prime after the game. Did not like seeing that. Was not happy to see Deion Sanders talking to any TCU players after the game. I get it. You know what I mean? You want to you wanna big up the guys. They played a war. They just had a war. You want to give them their credit. But the way the transfer portal works... He got 53 guys to commit to his program this offseason. I do not want a future Jim Thorpe uh, award winner <laughs> getting talked to by Deion Sanders. Especially the way that, yeah, you know, Deion Sanders is a Hall of Fame cornerback. I don't want him talking to my future NFL caliber corner, telling him, hey, come to, come to Colorado next year. We'll make you a national champion. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to see that. So I wasn't happy about that. Kid, all kidding aside, it was a good game. If you're a TCU fan, odds are you are listening to this podcast. You got to move on to Nickel State, which is what we're going to do here. Nickel State should be the easiest win on the schedule. They were a three and eight program last season. They did not make the playoffs. They've been to the playoffs twice since 2018. I continue to tell everyone who will listen, as I have moonlighted as a North Dakota State Bison reporter the national champion every other year, Bison. The the Alabama of FCS, North Dakota State Bison. I tell everybody who will listen that the difference between a good FCS team and a middle-of-the-road group of five team is not that much. The difference between a excellent power five team and a great FCS program is monumental. 
huge, huge canyon in between. TCU is a team, even though they are missing, well, they're missing a lot of talent from last year's team that was evitable or um, very noticeable on Saturday to a lot of people. Even though that they're missing that, this is a a layup of a win. And this is one of those games where I think the first half, you take out some of that anger that you have pent up. I think this week of practice is going to be something for a lot of those guys. It's going to be something they've never experienced before. Because losing the national championship the way you did was an embarrassment. Uh, but you really can't say, okay, we're going to grind you guys down to build you back up again for the next week because there's no next game. Some of those guys went in the offseason got upset, I imagine, and worked hard. And yeah, that's how that's what you do as a as a player. But there's no next game after the loss yesterday in the national championship. There is a next game after this loss to Colorado. There is multiple next games. And I think that they're going to exercise some demons against Nickel State. That being said, we saw what Oklahoma did to Arkansas State, a bottom of the barrel Sunbelt team this past week, a 73-0 win against former SEC coach Butch Jones, right? Am I saying that TC is going to put 70 points up on Nickel State? I think that they could. I think there's a real good possibility that that is something that they want to do to exercise the offense, to show everybody in America, hey, this is actually how many points we can score. Even though putting 42 points up wins you most games in college football, when you play a team like Colorado and your defense plays the way that they played, 42 points doesn't get the job done. So that is uh, that is the take here. I, I Players to watch in this game uh, for TCU, I really do believe that it is going to be uh, Bailey will be the number one player. I think that the TCU offense looked good. They ran the ball relatively well. Granted, in the second half, you can't really run the ball. Uh, as much as you'd like to, he wanted to run the clock down a little bit more. There was a real like judgment call at the end of the fourth quarter where TCU was leading by, I want to say it was four points. Yeah, I had to, yeah, they were leading by four. And they ran a really slow down offense. And instead of kicking a field goal, they had to punt. I think the idea was, okay, we're going to try to take a 10-point lead, and they weren't able to convert on fourth down. And it was a real head-scratcher why that was the play call. And if you're angry at Kendall Bryles for that, that's understandable. But if you're angry for the entirety of the four quarters, that doesn't make sense to me. I think that in this game against Nickel State, that they are going to run the offense very high-tempo, I think they're going to try to put as many points on the board as possible and try to get some other guys getting looks. Look, go to Houston in week two. or SMU, that's a big game. West Virginia at home and Iowa State. This is a 4-1 team. Do not hit the panic button. Do not worry about this TCU team. They are going to be back. They're going to be better than ever next week uh, against Nickel State. This week against Nickel State, and then next week when we're talking Houston, we will be breaking down how... Hey, remember when they put up 100 points? The defense didn't have any problems. Everything was tightened up. What do we expect from Houston? A team, again, I think, in the big first year in the Big 12, they eke out a win against UTSA. That might be one of their only wins. That might be one of those deals where they're a five-win team at the end of the year and they get absolutely blown, the door is blown off of them by a team like TCU. 
that is where my prediction is. Thank you so much for listening to the Hypnotoad podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. If you want to tweet at me, at Andrew underscore Zimmel on Twitter, please subscribe, rate, review the podcast wherever you get the Hypnotoad podcast. We will be back next week talking all things TCU. Thanks for listening.